We're ready. John looks really ready. He's checking his teeth and yawning. Well, no, I don't want you to have to see anything. Did you just have a treatment? No, I just had a couple pretzels, and there might be a wad of something no one needs to see. Maybe a pretzel yeah. treatment? Is there such a thing? A fluoride pretzel? Oh, <laughs> man. Could you imagine pretzel-flavored toothpaste? The Caliendo Cast with Frank Caliendo, John Holmberg, Scott Long, and the rest of the Caliendo crew. It's the most important podcast in the history of Western civilization. They got to get into that. As America kind of progresses into the fattest nation of ever, ranch and toothpaste. Ranch that, toothpaste. That is it. That would After sell. you said it, I thought I came up with it. Tom's from Maine. That's a proof. That's proof that it's a great invention. How is it not thing already? <laughs> literally, that literally happened to me just now. You said it, and I, 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 I heard it. I processed it somewhat, but then I went ranch toothpaste right yeah. after you said it in my head, like I thought of it. So right. I thought of it. I'm well, cutting you, your part out. Oh man, this is, well, great idea, Frank. Let me help the edit. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> So this is, this is the first little order of business for the uh, show. We're doing this all via Zoom today. We're going to move the show back. It's going to be released on Thursdays from now on. Uh, so we have more time during the week to try and do these live because right now we're just stuck. We want to listen, watch all the football games and then talk about them um, or at least know what's going on. So we don't want to be recording on Monday for Tuesday if we uh, don't have to. Um, don't have to do that. Just get a little bit more time so we can possibly get together live if things come up like they did today. So um, now you're, did you just do a 360? What what the-, the camera was making my eyes do things. So it looked like I was that and I wanted to stop. So now it's more of a focus. But now you're not looking at the camera. What are you no, looking it's, at? No, it, it's that, it's the um, second part of most people's high school graduation photos where the introspective ghost of you sits Where you're above. looking at yourself? Glamour shot? Yeah. It was the glamour shot of the, you know, the straightforward. <laughs> and then just above, you have the guy. Uh, the and other- I was wondering why people wanted us on YouTube again. I keep getting that because we talk about <laughs> shit Visual. that you can't, that you need to see and not visualize. Did you ever have that? Did you have the, I, we didn't buy those for me because two of my faces on a picture is too, too many. So... I never understood the here's me and also introspective thinking about me, me as your graduation photo. But that no, was I did. Thing. I did kaleidoscope me. So oh, you, all of you, yeah. I honestly, I honestly wasn't even in. I don't think I was in my senior picture yearbook. I don't think I had senior pictures taken. Really? I, yeah, had I wanted to be a ghost. So I have to tell this story because uh, this is a good one. When I got my senior photos taken, there was a lot of question on whether or not I'd actually be graduating from really uh, I, oh i was a nightmare so I, I took my junior year off i just didn't go i i, had, I was this is high school junior of high, high school up. high school so I, I basically said i've gotten straight a's up to this point i started my junior year and i'm like it's the same i'm tired of being babysat i had a car so i just stopped going to school oh my god and hold I, on hold on your your um your likeness my son the one oh, who's the Eric. one who shall be you is in yeah. the same boat right now yeah we, He's got a case of senioritis, and he's a junior. I, I had it. And so then my dad, at the end of my junior year, which was just all failing, said, you're supposed to graduate May 25th, 1990. We'll talk on May 25th, 1990. 
So he basically said, graduate or I'm going to kill you. And so I took my junior and senior year at the same time. Really? But, yeah, it was hard. I had night classes. It was all mail-in, uh, BYU correspondence. I had probably 14 classes a semester. I BYU? Yeah, they're the only ones that offered uh, correspondence classes. <laughs> they didn't know about you. They would have never accepted me. No way. No. But yeah, so I had to mail things and then wait three days for a new assignment and then mail up the, and then they'd grade me and give it to the school. It was a nightmare. So senior photos come up between your junior and senior year. Nobody knows if I'm actually going to do it. So I get sent into the place that does the pictures. And I'm not the most physically confident uh, photograph uh, model. Like, I don't like my face. And no one else does either, and especially the camera. So I'm waiting for just like a several ugly photos to be really accentuated by airbrushing in the late 1980s. So I go and I'm already uncomfortable because I don't like having my picture taken. I don't like looking at me. And I walk in and the photographer's got a gigantic camera in one arm and he's faced kind of just to where I can only see that arm. And his other hand shows up. Now he's about five feet tall. So and immediately I'm like, oh, he's a tiny little fellow. Um, he turns, he has arm, hand starts about here. And the rest of it is just a water filled bag of arm. It was like, you know, the water weenies you played with when you were a kid? Yeah. Stick a hand on the end of it and that's him. And he keeps going, all right, you seem uncomfortable. And he's <laughs> So then like it's constant where he's like, turn your head and look. And then I'm looking for the thing. And this water weenie hand was the guide your face. No. All my senior photos look like I'm, I'm in a rape dungeon. I'm just... <laughs> It's Did all for the rest of the house because there was a rape dungeon there. <laughs> oh yeah. no, he he was not victimizing anyone, but it was just. How was your Hannibal time. Lecter at that point? Did you have? <laughs> oh no, if that would have. That was two years too early. Oh, that's it was, okay. You know, if it was ninety-one. I'd have been very much lecturing that situation, right. which right because I was exactly five eleven, hundred seventy-five pounds, strongly built, eyes blue, hair blonde, lived in Philadelphia, but he could have lied. Did you have a side part? When you were, because you're bald now. Thank you for noticing that very astute observation, Frank. No, because not everybody knows. So. Oh, okay. Uh, it parted here and had that. What? Thing. No. What is here on the uh, third three? Oh, so like a uh, three quarter. And then it had the like the puffy, like the the lady. Like a swirl, like a swirly. Oh, I had calyx. My head looked like a, um, a, like a Led Zeppelin album cover of of crop circles. It was just matted and messy so when you turn it like it was flat here and then it would puff up on the turn and then you know full waterfall in the back cascade 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 m night shyamala head so when the little hand would reach he would push my hair off my shoulder <laughs> with the puffy hand and then brush me with the water weenie hand to my head so all five i've heard this story before and i'm Go, hold on. Yeah. You would think he would know not to use that hand on you, right? Because no, his other hand was the only one that worked for the camera. Oh, right. Because he couldn't. So, yeah. Was he going to use his feet? I've actually been more comfortable. I wonder if he if he could like use it. I wonder if he could have like poked the camera into his water weenie hand. <laughs> like just. <laughs> what were you going to say, Toledo? Well, I've heard this story before, and the one thing that I've never asked is, was the end of the arm able to? Oh, it was Grab functional. Anything? Yeah. yeah. It would, 
Yeah, give me a hand job. What are you asking that so strangely for? <laughs> well, because he's moving your face. I want to no, know if you have to say, did his hand work properly? Yes, not that. Did it? Could he? Did he? To move the arm, did he have to do the Muppet throw the body? <laughs> it was only as long as his elbow. And then it had like a half a joint and a hand. But it was all swollen with liquid. So it was constantly kind of like like a waterbed bladder. And it would <laughs> read and touch. It was terrifying. And my friend Mark was with me. And the whole time he is dying laughing because he already went through his with a normal. And so he's like, my photographer had both arms. And I'm like, man, that was the worst. For a guy who I feel bad for the guy, though. He's trying to do his job and you're a jerk. I wasn't a jerk. Oh, no. I'm like, don't touch me with that fucking thing, freak. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but I wasn't a jerk. I, was no, I, mean, I, I could see in high school, too, you're going to be even you're going to be even weirded out more. So, yeah. So I felt bad for him. He did a good job. I mean, they weren't this is not going to come out good in pictures anyway. So the story's better. And the fact that my senior photos were riddled with uh, angst because I'm not sure if they're even going to be my senior year photos, because who knows if I'm going to be there an extra year. And then I got this. So I just looked scared, which is appropriate because that's how I felt. Scared. I even, I, I'm remembering now that I don't think I, I think I refused to sign your books my senior year. I, I think I said, no, really? yeah, this is going to be worth something. So it's just like your meet and greets now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm giving it away, man. I, I am whoring it out with the signature nowadays. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. making up for it. My friend Clay and I used to practice it, our autographs. Uh, all the time during Miss Hamill's uh, freshman English class because she didn't really do anything. So we would just work on autographs and talk about Scottie Pippen and uh, Michael Jordan. I used to practice the autograph for no reason, too. Why? Not because I wanted to get out. I just liked writing my name out. You thought you were going to be a doctor? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Not, with, not without that diploma. <laughs> I could have uh, pretended very easily. But I, there was no chance of it. So like we said, uh, Thursdays are going to be the new release day. Uh, that was the uh, preamble to the, the release. You got me on this, uh, the social dilemma on Netflix before we bring Scott Long and start talking football. Um, so your whole take on social media is that you want nothing to do with it. I, I, want, I want it to have nothing to do with me. What does that mean? that if I'm part of it, again, I love the quote in that because it's something my grandpa used to always say, if it's free, they bought you. He always used to say that, nothing's free. And their quote was, if right, you right. didn't pay for the product, you're the product. Right. And I completely, I've never seen that pinpointed as well as that phrase was. But my grandpa used to say something similar, which is basically anybody that tries to give you something for free just bought you. So, so let, me, let me backtrack here for a second. So what people don't know, the social dilemma is basically a, um, uh, what's it called? A uh, documentary with some uh, reenactments yeah. in it that threw me off because I wasn't ready for them to start doing these weird reenactments with this kid who's supposedly in high school but looks like he has a nose that he's 45 years old with. <laughs> it's, um, it's the kid from vacation. He's in Curb Your Enthusiasm, too. He gets a lot of work. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. He was good. They were all pretty good actors. They, yeah. they, all, they even had the guy from uh, Mad Men. Uh, yeah. What was Pete. his I can't remember his character Pete. name. Yeah. And, and he, was, he was good, too. Everybody was, was really good. I just wasn't ready for it. I guess I should have assumed with Netflix. I was just assuming it was going to be a straight documentary with no reenactments. But 
it's about how much Google, Facebook, uh, how much information they gather on you yep. and then um, use against you. And, uh, you know, the, basically use they do for their benefit. Yeah, well, they do what you said. You are no longer the consumer. You're the yeah. product. And right. that flip, like you said, I wasn't, I'd never thought of it that way. Although I, I I'd thought of a lot of things that they talk about in there, which were um, some, of the, some of the things they brought up, like um, uh, if you, what was that? I'm sorry. Something just a glitch. It was a weird thing happened on my screen. I was like, "Holy crap!" It was really weird. But it was one of the, it's. Uh, or as I talked about the, um, this is going to be edited out. Well, just like the whole beginning. Uh, Not the ranch. What was that? The ranch toothpaste doesn't get edited out. No, 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 no. This is all really great up until this point. Um, but they start talking about how all this information is gathered on you, and then. Uh, what do they do with that? I thought, I've always thought people were not meant to communicate to large groups. Uh, no, and weren't. if you were, you had to go through a process of being almost anointed or knighted to have the privilege to get, for, for example, a broadcast license to talk to large amounts of people. That was the whole idea behind the FCC, right, is that you can't just get on the radio and, and talk to the public. You have to have some type of proof that you've, you deserve this. Well, basically that whole thing with the FCC, and we don't have to do that anymore, that recently stopped for radio at least. You don't need a license to do it. Your, you, your station does. But that was originally back in the Hearst, past Hearst days in, once radio started, they worried about that rightfully so, right in the invention of radio to say, we can't just have everybody on this thing saying whatever they think. So it was, it's slight control of the information dissemination. They, they, they basically were saying, let's make sure that this doesn't just explode. You can't just, because it's not hard to build a radio transmitter. Toledo, you know, it's not hard at all to put that together and start to broadcast, whether it's 10 watts, which you can actually especially back then with fields being so open and stuff, you could get a lot of information out to your area. So Radio in shack. yeah, in order to build a tower or to be able to broadcast, it was an FCC federal violation to do it. And that is controlling information, but also incredibly smart on the government's part back in the day because of exactly what social media has proven. Yeah. Everybody with an opinion becomes a, uh, a truth killer. And so that's where we are today because anybody and everybody who wants to say, this is my agenda and I'm hell bent on letting everybody know it, whether it's real or not, you're well, allowed to. And I don't even remember who it was, but it's one of those like rules for radicals or one of those things that the, 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 the people on the right always claim that the left are using and um, maybe they do. I don't even know. I think the right uses them too now. Everybody just uses those types of things. But if you say something over and over and over, this is what people say about Trump, that he'll say the same lie enough that, it's, that, they, that he believes it'll become truth. But everybody does that. Everybody starts to tell their side of the story and hope that you never look any further than the headline of what they right. just said. Well, that's the perception is reality rule. The more you say that, the more the perception is true, so the more people will go with it. But you don't even have to tell a story anymore. You just have to have a sensible, uh, 
uh, echo chamber to listen to you and say, oh, that headline makes sense to me, so therefore it is real. Right. And it no longer is about looking into stuff. That's dangerous. And that, that's the, the social dilemma is like, I loved what you said because you texted me and said, I just watched Social Dilemma with Michelle and she was on her phone the whole time. Which She is didn't put it down. Yeah, that's a riot. Um, and you said that Megan did the same thing. It was on hers too. She was looking at dog videos and shopping. Because so, we almost never watch anything together. And I said, Michelle, do you want to watch this documentary with me? And she said, <laughs> yes. And then, but that's why I don't like watching things with her. Anything I want to watch She's on the phone the whole time. Now, conversely, I think about this. I'm usually playing Candy Crush during anything she wants to watch. So, uh, but I love, but at least I'm trying to accomplish and get to next levels. I have a new rule because I'm trying to wean myself off of, I read a whole bunch of stuff about uh, iPhones because they're so prevalent in the world being so easily broken into. Um, and your information so easy to get that I'm just basically like, I'm trying to pull myself back from being, I, I, I realized that if my phone rang before the cell phone, as much as I am in contact with yeah. people, I'd go crazy, but I'm constantly feeling like I have to answer every text. So I've stopped from seven to 10 PM. Like my old rule with the, my dad's old rule was the phone doesn't ring during dinner. We turned it off. Nothing's that important. And I've realized none of what happens from seven to 10 o'clock is that big a deal. It's usually just people commenting on what's on TV or trying to tell me a joke or like Frank, you and I end up going into these wormholes of stupid for you know, 35, 40 texts a piece. And it just, I realize it's not that big, a deal. it can wait. And you're not mad when I'm like two hours later, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So it's not like a thing where every, and, and if people stop texting me because of it, mission accomplished. Yeah, I've stopped worrying about replying to people. I replied. I used to reply to everybody all the time, Thanks. and it, 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 you know, causes so much anxiety. And they talk about that in the um, the social dilemma on Netflix. But I've seen this too with phones that I can't focus anymore. You've heard it in this podcast. I can't. I couldn't remember the word documentary. That's happened to me so many times now. And I will start to do one task. And as I'm about to do that task, I'll look at the other apps and then I'll check the weather and I will uh, check Zillow for no reason whatsoever. I have no, nothing to do. Just see the app, press on it. And sometimes I press the wrong one and I get into that app for a while. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a mess. There's no reason to yeah. be on the YouPorn app right now. I never have felt that way about you. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, Boom, there you go. I took the Cubs and the Steelers off of my apps because out of habit, I was just going to, and all the videos and all the stuff I've read already. I'd go back and I, I don't know why it was just my son would go to it. And the social dilemma kind of gets into that. The thing that's scary to me, and I don't have kids because I didn't want someone to be as ugly as I was and have to grow up like that, uh, was the, uh, uh, you, you need a couple this, more trips to the therapist. She's the one who, <laughs> look i she's wish i could who, put that on audio she, she's the one who said you know how ugly you are that's probably right. the problem wow this is really introspective therapy so um but no that like to have kids with this and to see there isn't a study out there that says it benefits anyone that's the amazing thing and that's what as people we're having a problem with because we it's so convenient and likable but None of social media has any uh, benefit. It would almost be like trying to find the benefits of cocaine. There aren't any. 
other than the initial feeling of dopamine. That's it. And social media does the, get off your phone, Rich, we're talking. He's probably got Scott waiting to wonder when he's coming in. The crazy part is, is that there's a lot of good from the internet, but every single psychiatrist, every single uh, study has come back and said, it's actually zero benefit to the human being, zero. In fact, it's detrimental. And, and the suicide rates are proving that, like suicide right. attempts and depression and mental health. Well, because everybody's lying about how great they are. Well, because your masks, we, we all wear weird masks and we're trying to show, and now we can like physically show people how happy we are to convince ourselves. It's crazy. Joey does this to me. My son will, I'll be talking to him um, and I'll say, you know what, I, I, he won't be re- returning any kind of... Uh, he won't be use. He won't be uh, on his half of the conversation. At all it'll be all me talking, right. and uh, no return from him. And then I'll be like, you know, I got to run to the bathroom. And then as I'm walking away, he will start talking. Like now is the time to talk. And I think part of that has to do with phones and being on his own time. And he's decided now is when I want to talk. As you're going away, it's like a text that's sitting there. I mean, we don't have conversations like that, right? We've never had conversations like text conversations before where you can ask a question, somebody will answer it, you can ask another question, and two days later the question will get answered and you'll just continue the conversation from where it left off. That's, that's never been in the history of communication the way no. it worked. You, you would start a conversation, have a middle, and end it. And you'd have closure on it. Then you could come back and reference it. But now we have four or five conversations going at the same time. And it's truly tremendous. It's very, very interesting. (laughs) And not only that, because you leave conversations, you get people that have a new anxiety about not finishing the conversation. So if you left a conversation when what you thought it was done, you've got people out there that don't see it the same way with you. And then they wonder why you ended it in such a fashion. Well, Michelle does this all the time. She will complain about how I was just texting this person and they stopped texting me back. And I'm like, you do that all the time too. You just don't realize you're doing it to me. And I point it out now when she stops texting me in the middle of a conversation, I'll come back to her like three hours later. I go, see, you stop uh, communicating as well. You just, you're done for that time. I've noticed it's totally that. understandable because if you, if, if you're in the part of your day, like if I'm at the station and I've got three salespeople that come up to me and I start asking me questions and I'm texting with you, John, or you, Frank, and then I get sidetracked and an hour later, I finally answer your question. You're wondering, what the hell were you doing? Yeah. yeah. Two you things. People, people forget because we don't know what the other person's doing. Right. So we don't know don't what their situation it, is. And right. we think they're just doing exactly because human nature is we think you're in the same situation as, or I think you're in the same situation as I am right now. You're in the middle of this conversation and you're, that's your focal point. No, the other person might be in the middle of just at a stop sign and hiding their phone and texting. The, are you available? Everybody's available. I got a friend who texts me and says, got a minute and I don't, so I don't text back. And like two seconds later, there's an emoji pointing to the last message. <laughs> And I'm like, I didn't answer because I don't have a minute. I'm not, I don't want to be a, okay, well, fuck. I didn't know you were so busy all the time. Our availability is based on what we feel the sender's availability is. Everyone's available when I'm available. And what's, what's being lost, and it's not just young people. I've noticed it at work, Rich, with Brady and the guys on the show. Um, social cues are dead. 
Yeah. Like you said, when somebody tries to leave the room, people will start talking to them. That's with Joey. That's exactly. Yeah, the- it's the strangest thing. Brady does it. Uh, everybody in the room. I do I, it. I know I do it. But people are trying to walk away. And it's that weird moment at the end of a dinner when you're like, well, it was nice. We'll see you later. And then you have to walk the same way to the car. It's yeah. that awkward, like, ooh, the social cue got messed up. I don't think people read social cues the same because of Well, social- imagine this, uh, John. Imagine if you never really learned social cues right. because you're 10 or 11 mm-hmm. years old. They struggle with no, that in the first place. And now they never learn them. And they have these weird habits and weird, you know, millions of years of evolution to get to where we were at. And it all changed. And that's what they talk about in the social dilemma as well. They talk about all this technology and everything we've done to evolve over all this time. And in a matter of 10 years, everything has been flipped upside down and nobody reacts and talks to each other anymore. And I, I mean, I just look, that's, I don't, I don't watch a lot of things on Twitter, Instagram, or the TikTok stuff. I don't watch any of it. But, and sometimes I'll get into it a little bit. I'll, I'll start reading a little bit of Twitter because I'm going to post something and I see what's out there. Should I reply to something or whatever? And I go, uh, this is just angry people. This is New York City. This is Times Square. People all bumping into each other. And saying, get out of my way, jackass. It's, it, that's all it is, and nobody cares. But that, I, I do think people should watch this thing, The Social Dilemma, because we're going to have Gary Vee on, uh, who's like a huge um, uh, social media guy and uh, the new media stuff, and he's incredible. He's developed a massive following, and he teaches people all about it and how to use it and what to do, and he's an entrepreneur. He's the type of – John, do you know who he is at all? I've heard the name. I'm not super familiar. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, a, he's actually a very uh, interesting and amazing because he talks about just being an entrepreneur. That's his, first, that's his main thing first. He's like, go to garage sales, buy something for five bucks, sell it for 10. Just go, go do all this stuff. And then he ties it into social media as well. Um, what was your takeaway, Frank, from the whole thing? That they were full of shit. Uh, I can do it. Social dilemma is all full of shit. Yeah, no, I uh, I thought they were right, and it's I do know I get trapped watching some of this stuff and getting sucked in. Sometimes I've been doing more, uh, not quite as uh, as much as you, uh, John, where you get away from it for three full hours. But I have been making a point to not check all this social media stuff as much about I get the dopamine from when I put a TikTok out and I want to see, oh, this thing's blowing up. This is going crazy. Right. This is going nuts. And then then you get the one where nobody's watching something. And I think TikTok is like Vegas. I was talking to John Bailey, the guy we had on a couple of weeks yeah. ago with the incredible voice. Um John Bailey. So I was talking about it. It's like it's Vegas. You yeah. don't know what's going to hit you could do something that's great and really funny and nobody watches it. And you could do something that's just crap and it'll go crazy. And I think that's what TikTok wants because they want it to be something that anything could go at any time. And as soon as you think you're going to quit pulling the slot machine lever, you're right back at it because they gave you 50 bucks. Yeah. Well, and, how, about, how about the one thing on the, on the documentary too that I never thought of it this way, but it's like the only other – the only other industry that calls its consumers users is drugs. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's a, it's a strange way to look at us as a commodity. And we're, you know, again, it's fun when it's fun. 
But when you realize that the fun is being, you know, it's, it's the overlords uh, from another planet that are puppeteering you and you realize that your fun isn't yours. I just, I, I don't, I don't see. see I wouldn't be on it. If it wasn't for business, I really wouldn't be on it. And see, you that's say- my test. I always ask. I had a talk with a sales lady the other day and I said, you, she said something about social media. I'm like, do you do it? And she goes, well, I actually need to, to keep up with clients and stuff. I'm like, no, you don't. That's a phone call. That's an actual better way, a personal way. And she's like, I just don't want to call. Them. I just, I just got a pitch that, that, um, sh- that networks want to see just yeah. because it's social media. And right. It's just- it's, but they, but that's the trickle down. They think it's needed. You think right, it's right, needed. Right, right, right. Listen, I'm only doing it because other people say you need to do it. Yeah, that, and and it's, it's, even if I don't, I'm doing it because if I go to an executive's office and I don't have enough or, or a Zoom with them or whatever, and I don't have enough social media following, I was told that for the last few years. That's why I started again. I was off it for 10 years. And if I have embarrassing numbers for the, the level of quote unquote fame I have. People are like, you're way more famous than this. And then young people are like, who are you? But right. and the young people are like, who are you? Because I haven't been doing anything on social media. They don't watch TV anymore. They watch uh, the streaming stuff. And then, but to get on a lot of the streaming stuff, if it comes down to you and somebody else in an audition and it's for an important role and it's pretty close, they're going to look at that social media. They're yep. going to look at it and they're going to determine if you're right or not for the the part because what can you do can you promote can you let everybody know especially with comedy they really want people to 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 to, to, that's specials i mean people are getting netflix specials and other specials because of podcasts and their social media following that's one that's really it it's it, think about that that would never if we if i was huge on the radio and you know i know you're one of uh, you're a rare instance john where your radio still dominates and can do stuff. There are a lot of radio stations. And I think it's just been, uh, you know, it's been made so watered down. It's been so watered down over time, other radio stations by uh, the consultants and stuff like that, that they don't, they don't have a real take. It's all phony takes. And then they can't figure out why nobody listens. Well, because it's all phony. You're, you're a different situation. But when I was as big as I was on radio and doing interviews on radio and everybody wanted me on everywhere, especially sports radio, I could never have taken that to a network and people been like, oh, you're, you're, that, you're the radio interview guy. You're, you're amazing. That, that, but now social media, because they can see it right in front of them, they can see how powerful it is. And radio during its heyday, and I don't want to say like it's gone, but radio in that early 2000s could sell massive tickets yeah. everywhere. And it could do even more than I think social media can do for most people now, other than the biggest of the, you know, uh, the, the, the people with the giant, giant followings and the true influencers. Because there's a lot of people with a million followers on different platforms. I see people with a million followers on TikTok and they don't get any more views than I do. And I've only been on it for two months, really, and have 500,000. There's a difference between a true influencer, which scares me that that's what people are because people are just listening to these people who know nothing that they just go to do. They go up to drive-ins and uh, don't order anything. And that's genius to people. Uh, it's just, it just drives me crazy. But I do... As much as you always tell me you don't need um, social media, that's, it's so funny. I get messages on TikTok from people going, you know, on the podcast. I know John messes with you about these TikTok stuff, but man, I love you, it. They love it. And here's my argument back to that. Because I do agree that you do, there's a lot of beneficial stuff on social media. 
But the need part, I think, is where the dopamine kicks in to where you think, and maybe this is me, maybe I'm willing to be really wrong on this, but I think the more you give on social media, the less call to action there is to see Frank Caliendo, to me. Not, not on TikTok, in person. I don't think it fills a club. I think when you're available to them all the time, you'll get a few, but it's not going to be as special as if you did one every two months. Well, that's, that's, my, that's why my plan is to cut it off eventually, to build a following and then really cut it down. Right. That, that is, that's what it is, is. I'm just trying to get reacquainted with the audience now because people, people will say to me on TikTok, oh, man, love you for mad TV. I'm like, that was the thing I think people knew me the least from. Right. I, people knew me more from the NFL on Fox, ESPN, um, even the TBS ads that drown out the, uh, the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. Yep. So. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. But don't you think that Mad TV is being circulated again, and that's why people are refamiliarizing themselves? There's with it? some of that, but these are older people. These are people in their 30s uh, now that are okay. like, "I watched you as a kid," and that most of it they th- think was me. It was all Will Sasso. Oh, you're so. doing. You're basically. <laughs> you're basically doing the thing like politicians do, where you're saturating every chance you can to get your name familiar in hopes yes. that. Yeah, and that's all. Is no, it's to get a Q score? Yeah, so people know that I'm back and trying a little bit again. Because yeah. uh, I get that, where have you been? I'm like, listen, I've been doing sports stuff that's even gone viral for the last five to ten years. There's been a lot of that stuff. But if you don't know anything about sports or care about sports, uh, you know, the agents used to tell me that. They're like, people outside of sports don't know you. I'm like, sure they do. And I've realized, no, they don't. So yeah. it's we'll, crazy. we'll get that, into this so, more and more. So deep. Like, it's fun to watch because it does start a conversation. And I think a lot of people – realize they say a lot of things about, well, it's necessary for my job. And maybe there is some necessity to a lot of them, but everyone says it's necessary. They need it. And really what it is, is I don't really want to talk to my aunt Connie. It's easier to do this. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't even look at Facebook. I, people yeah. message me on Facebook. I'm like, I don't even know how to use it. I don't <laughs> know how to use that. I know how to post and answer two comments or three comments on uh, Instagram, because I know that if you answer the comments, it helps the post. Um, and I, I do a lot of, uh, answering on TikTok cause I'm trying to build that. So, um, well, kudos to both of you guys. Cause I think I, if I had it, I think one of the big reasons I don't have it is because if I did, I would be in that deranged, crazy argue with everybody thing. I don't think, yeah, but I you're also, you have, you have exactly what you need. The rate you have people yeah. around you that put some stuff out for you. Yep. Uh, on the radio station, they come and you go, I don't want to do this. And then they take a little video of you doing it and it works. And that's all you really need. And then you get to do everything that anybody's doing on social media with your audience that's on the radio. You've got, you've already got that group. So it doesn't even matter for you because you can already talk to the people that you care about most and they can hear and, uh, you know, they can email you or however they want to uh, get back to you and it works. But most people don't have that. They start from scratch. And when they start from scratch, they're, they're pretty screwed. I mean, I look at, you know, you, you look at all these different even sports people, the, the, um, uh, whether it's announcers, I, I should, I, more like sports radio people. All the sports radio people, even in the national um, ones, they use it as ways to springboard topics on their own shows. Uh, yeah. And it used to be an email coming in, but they have, you know, a local person will have, especially in Boston, 150,000 followers. And 
that's pretty amazing in a local market and some power and you'll get a lot of interaction and engagement and, and be able to create some conversations and go back and forth and even start fights. And that's, that's the problem. Everybody's looking to start fights. That's why I hate it. Um, because that's what, what I, somebody asked me about, uh, you know, entertainment the other day. I think it was John Bailey too. We were just going back and forth. I go, it's not about being entertaining. Entertainment has almost nothing to do with it. It's controversy. Yeah. And, and then cre- creating a buzz from that controversy. Very rarely, does, it, you can do it maybe in an America's Got Talent where, uh, you know, uh, Howie Mandel standing up and giving you a standing O and they press the golden buzzer or something like that. But you, generally with some talent, people don't care. It's, no. And usually bad talent, you know how many bad Trump impressions go viral? It's crazy. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous gray impressions going viral. I think the funny thing is, is that I agree that it was. I think the pendulum's starting to swing from uh, argumentative to uh, pandering. I oh, think yeah. The new thing is how incredibly on board am I? Yeah. And that's the one, like, because I watched some of the Emmys over the weekend, and that was not about entertainment, like you said, not about anything more than look at how unbelievable white Hollywood has always been. They've been the problem the whole time with their own diversity issues and everything else. And now they're trying to sell us with, look at how amazing we are. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are the problem. Right. And, and, and you're sitting there patting yourselves on the back for how great you are tonight. And it was just, it's disturbing because there's no authenticity, but you're right, Frank, it's not about talent. It's not about entertainment. It's about, getting clicks and views for that that heart-wrenching moment of look how great they treated this person that 10 years ago would have never won an Emmy. And, and they're convincing you that there's no Emmy wins for people of any color or any sort of walk of life outside of, you know, uh, John Larroquette forever uh, prior to their waking up and telling America how how amazing they are now. It, it but, was, and, but, but when you give that speech, what, what gets played? That speech. Right. That yeah. gets played everywhere. Yep. They, they don't play the stuff about, you know, thanking people. They, no. they play all the stuff about, uh, you know, the, how evil Donald Trump is. It's constant. Right. Like, that's what's going to be. There will be a montage of all that stuff, and it doesn't even have anything to do with them women winning the Emmy. And it's weird you know, the Emmys themselves, maybe I'm just bitter because I don't have one. Although my <laughs> show did get one Emmy for costume design that, uh, yeah. Well, when you can make me kind of look like I dressed like the actual person, uh, at five foot six and 700 pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> he did a great job of fixing his impression. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I just, I don't, I can't watch the stuff in the first place, but to celebrate yourself, during this time yeah it's just so weird even if you're giving these messages that you think are so important to me it's like nah my mother-in-law was watching the red carpet where they were uh, people were actually on the red carpet and then interviewing people on tvs so they had a tv monitor there and they turned to the monitor and asked the monitor a question it was the dumbest like even she turned it off she's like this is stupid and people hadn't been watching award shows for the last few years anyways i just i'd be interested i didn't see what the ratings were but monday night football or sunday night football was on with a great game um right. 
the NBA playoffs were on. So any straight guy probably wasn't watching the <laughs> Emmys. As few as that probably is in the first place, there was no way with all that going on. Uh, yeah. Well, the, you told me that last night when I told you, are you watching the Emmys? And you're like, no, there's football and basketball. What are you doing? And I'm like, you're right. I had to check, though. And I no, did. you have to. I mean, for your, for your job. Yeah. I mean, there's a reality. But and you need to be interested in it. I don't – it's not that. It's just, hey, I – I just think it's terrible. It's a terrible product. And it really was just a political commercial for how not necessarily even for anyone, just how amazing these people are. And you should listen to every single aspect of their lives. But the proof is in the pudding. I, you know, I was on the uh, most wildly successful podcast that I'm part of, which is the Adam Carolla show uh, Friday night. I, I do a different podcast is really big numbers. And uh, <laughs> no, I was on there. And it was amazing to see an audience that just wants to breathe from that message yeah. not necessarily that they're you know in lockstep with adam's way but the audience wanted to breathe they didn't want to be told if you don't follow what i say you are absolutely racist wrong never been right and have no chance for redemption and i think that people are tired of that that emmys thing last night if 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 the left didn't learn a lesson from 2016 they showed it last night on the emmys because it was smug and it was, uh, it was not inclusive to everyone. It was the opposite. It was like, follow us or get out. And it was yeah. terrible. And their messages aren't bad. I don't know anybody who's against, you know, letting people who do a good job win an Emmy. But it felt so far gone one way to say, look, we're going to prove to you how amazing we are by our own actions that don't matter. And it's just transparent and weird. I, I bet you those ratings are the lowest ever and they'll blame COVID. But it, I bet you those Emmys were, and they've all award shows are falling off because, like Corolla said on Friday, he's like, "Great time for America to uh, award a bunch of streaming shows they've never heard Sunday night during all this because that's what we want: uh, rich millionaires getting trophies on television right in front of us while we try to figure out if we're going to have a job next week." Yeah, that's true. They're, they're just they're not. Seeing I get a lot of people who that, like listen to us that say. Hey, we're just, we're just, I'm just glad that you guys don't always pick a side and tell us that, you know, yeah. tell me that I'm wrong or a bad person. I, the people just get sick of that. Yeah. We can disagree without you being awful. And that's where social media has destroyed everybody's ability to communicate completely. But what we can't disagree on is the fact that Russell Wilson. Oh boy, here we go. Here we is go. As good. <laughs> Is as good as I said he was last week. I even got a text from yeah. Scott Long saying, and maybe you too, John. Did you give me yeah. one too? Like yep. oh, oh, that. Scott even texted me the next day and said, you know what? I thought about it, and your Russell Wilson um, diatribe was actually pretty good. Uh, he gets completely overlooked, and they talked about this in the Sunday Night Football broadcast. He's never even got an MVP, a single Not MVP funny. vote. Yeah. That's and also the, because they don't do it like they do in, in Major League Baseball where it's a sliding scale. You only get one vote, and that's, and that's it. So if, if there's a clear winner every year, like last year with Lamar Jackson, up until the last couple of weeks of the season, I thought Wilson had a chance. But there's only one vote. So you don't get a vote for first, second, and third place. Yeah, but somebody's usually going to vote and say, I know this person's great, and they're not going to get a vote, so I'm going to vote for them. Can I also point out that I would love to hear Richard sing putting on the Ritz right now with this phonograph 
audio he's got going on. What's going on there, Tesla? How come your, your audio is so off? I don't know why. You're what a little scratchy, part? but I just thought it was you. <laughs> he just sounds like he's from the I'll third. I'll just shut up. <laughs> he's, he's, on a, he's on his phonograph. He's not on the phone. You do that. Just you said that, Did you just say that? Yeah. Oh, my God. I missed it. I did. No, you didn't. I, I guess I didn't. You're waiting I just for thought of this ge- genius thing. Yeah, you I'll take that, it. No, the first, one, the first one was, I, I realized after I said it, and then you pointed out, I go, oh, no, I think I did just hear that. <laughs> that's, a, that's something wrong. No, like, yeah, oh, no, no, no. There's definitely a lot wrong. It, it all ties back to my iPhone. There's neurons. You got something brewing. Uh, you know what I noticed? Like, yeah, because I agreed. I, I sent you a text, too, saying, you know what? I may change my answer after last night's performance and the week before of who would I start a football team with right now, a quarterback, because that was – I mean, Russell's always been really good. That was upper-level good last night. And, in, and what you what – kind of got lost in was the Patriots were never out of that game and you never once thought well if Russell has the ball Seahawks are going to win like it didn't it didn't enter my mind that the Patriots were always going to be chasing because this dude is on another planet right now he is playing I mean will it sustain the whole year this is they've let him loose and before we get to Scott Long I just want to say Toledo, is there something wrong with your audio? You sound like you're from. No, 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 no free. <laughs> We've done that. You just oh. you should have the little Frank Caliendo thing changed to most of the thoughts of Frank Caliendo come from. <laughs> you got a phonograph there? Are you putting on the Ritz? <laughs> just give me a little putting on the Ritz. Why don't you go where fashion fits? Was, was that Taco? Well, that yep. was the East That's version. That's the version. No, it's it was the remake. Was the, That's the one I care about. The <laughs> when you were alive. Scott, what did you think? Uh, Russell Wilson, he's uh, my guy. Scott had no thoughts on that. He's actually turned into a, a Buddhist monk. Best taken- closer I've ever seen. <laughs> there you go. No. It- oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, there's his belly. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. tackling his Zoom. I give up. He waited. He waited for forty-five minutes to get in, and now the internet doesn't work. Uh oh, cowboy! What part of the house are you going to to try and get the neighbors? Look, are you going to Todd McFarlane's house? Part two. You you, you Ethernet. Let me start by saying that. It feels like it. We can't it hear you. It feels like it. I mean, it works for everything. You still can't hear me? Um, it's stopping. No. It's stopping constantly. It works for everything but this show. This show never yeah. works. I think you just swore, well, but I'm not sure. No, no, I didn't swear. Oh. This show never works should be the name of this show. I'm thinking about changing it. <laughs> you what? know what this show should be called? <laughs> this show never works. Damn it. I can't. <laughs> That's how we fill when Scott has technical problems. <laughs> That's the uh, technical issues. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh. We got taco and dial-up down there. <laughs> we got taco and dial-up. <laughs> taco and dial-up. That's ESPN's the name of the episode, Taco and Dial-Up. The worst oh, sports show on ESPN3. Well, Scott, can you talk right now or do we not get 
you I mean, I can talk, but I guess you don't hear me, right? We got you right now, so go. Okay. Uh, best closer I've ever seen now is Russell Wilson. I mean, he's, he's become better than Montana or anyone right now. I mean, Alec Baldwin would show his photo when he's uh, giving his comments to the rest of the gang. And You can't make Montana yet. You can't say he's better than Montana. No, no. I've seen him close games. When I didn't think he was that good, but he would close the game amazingly. Like, they would not even give him a chance. As I told Frank, what makes me think maybe he is the best is Andy Reid is a great offensive coach. He has had a terrible offensive coach. Pete Carroll doesn't even want to throw the ball until like the third or fourth quarter. Well, yeah, when, I I was at, when I went to the Cardinals-Seattle game years ago, I was with Steve Kime, the GM of the Cardinals, and he was just like, this, this game's not over. I'm like, why? He goes, it's Russell Wilson. You just The, the GMs know. They all know. Yeah. And they yeah. all know that the scheme was what was holding Russell Wilson back because they, they're just yeah. so inside and can see everything that's happening that, you know, when they, they took the reins off him and just let him go, this is Russell Wilson is fun to watch because he's doing everything that he was doing before running for his life, but he's also allowed to throw the ball downfield and make things happen. And the fact that he's a baseball player, he can slide better than anybody else. I mean, <laughs> he just – his slides are things of beauty. He's breaking up double plays. It's awesome. I think the scheme that they've used to give Pete Carroll credit has been smart. Um, they had a running game that got them to two Super Bowls and uh, winning one and, you know, or three, right? Or wait, two or how many they've been to? They won one and lost to the Patriots, right? Yeah, they won and won. Lost, and lost to the Patriots, one. lost to the Steelers, but the Steelers game was. But that uh, was not Pete Carroll. Yeah, right, I'm talking about right. Carroll era. He recognized, look, we've got a hell of a running game with this Marshawn Lynch thing. Let's just bury it and surprise you with Russell Wilson, how great he's been. And now eight years in, which was the old way of doing football, and Pete Carroll's 68, he thinks old school football. Now you got a quarterback in his prime, cut him loose. Chuck Knoll did the same thing with Terry Bradshaw. You run and run and run and run and run and run, and they're like, watch this. And you can reinvent your own team. You think it's so? If you think it's eight years of learning the game while no, playing, learning. just Pete Carroll recognizing we don't have to unveil this, and he'll have five more great years. Yeah. Whereas you just throw him out there early and say we could run. I mean, how many teams like I look at the Browns trying so hard to make Baker Mayfield a star when you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt behind him, and you just refuse to be that team because Baker Mayfield has to be a huge star. And I think what Pete Carroll's done is take old school 70s, 80s football and say, we're going to run them into the ground because we can win like that because I trust my quarterback more than anybody. But I don't need for – and so long as you've got a guy who's not going to say, hey, I want 350 yards a game or I'm leaving. Russell Wilson is a team player who realized we're winning Super Bowls. We're in contention every year. And, and now you're saying, all right, Russell, watch this. I'm going to change philosophy on this league. And you're going to – and people will look at us like, oh, Pete Carroll runs, Pete Carroll runs. This is genius to me. I think it's, I think it's an old-fashioned way of, of planning your season and seeing Russell Wilson going, I, I, there isn't an ounce of you I don't trust. You're so ready to break loose. Now's your time. It probably could have happened a couple years ago, but they weren't there defensively a couple years ago. Toledo, you follow the Seahawks. You know breaking Russell Wilson out the last couple of years would have just spilled the pie. And Pete Carroll was on the blocks for a little bit. People were like, oh, I don't think he's got it. Last night I watched a different team 
and and I thought it was just uh, it reminded me very much of the late 70s Steelers when all of a sudden Terry Bradshaw was a 3,000 yard quarterback winning MVPs and winning with his arm which never happened well they've done a quiet job of rebuilding there like it, they've been to the playoffs every every year except for a few years ago but in that, they've been rebuilding the team. So everybody thinks that they're going to fall away, but they've been rebuilding the team. And because they've had rust, they haven't had to fall off too far. But now this year, the offense had some help, and the defense, defense has holes, but they can come together by the time they get it. And getting Jamal Adams was huge. Was well, plan, huge. Against, plan against that offense right now. Because at any time, if the passing's not working, Pete Carroll already has in his back pocket a running game that'll kill you. So yeah. I look at the Seahawks. They're scary. Last night's scary. Their defense does have holes. But, I, and again, go back to the Patriots. How good did the Patriots actually play with five starters gone? And that was the Cam Newton show. He looked great. Right. He's, he they, look they, great. They've, they've turned his fundamentals around. Yeah. He's not – I've been saying this for years. He threw the ball high all the time. Yeah. And anytime I've ever seen the ball, somebody throw the ball high, it's because their shoulders aren't level when they throw. Their front shoulder is up. So their trajectory is going to be upward. You know, when you throw a baseball, you got to pull down with your left arm uh, to make the, to come over the top, or you're going to end up throwing the ball high. You can see him saying that. I think they just were on a track where he's Cam Newton. He's a star. We're not going to tell him what to do uh, when he was in Carolina. And now Belichick has the the gravitas to say, uh, "You're just going to have to do what I say." It's and they and he is and I I've told you I thought this was going to be interesting I didn't see the post game press conference did he pout in the post game press conference uh, he was a little pouty on the field but I think the fact that they were one yard away from winning that game yeah keeps Cam from pouting I really think that that team has the it's their defense with all the with all the guys that have opted out that are going to keep the Patriots from being true. can they opt back in. Can they come in and play? That's the question. I don't know. I think they, I think they accept a deal to opt out. Huh. But what happens if there's a vaccine and all these opt-out guys would have to have the ability to come back? So I bet you you can. I don't know. It would be interesting to see they have all these fresh people come in halfway through. It's Belichick's plan. How Belichick would that be? A hundred percent. And I listen, I like Cam Newton as the, the – I I was rooting for Cam Newton in a lot of ways to, to – to, to play well. He, he's more fun to watch. He's, he's really good. I think he's doing a great job. One of my least favorite players in the NFL, but there's no denying his ability, when everything's good. Structure. Structure yeah, changes. Culture and structure. Yeah. And that is there. That is like Michael Lombardi told us, the culture and structure. You get to New England, and it's like you've never seen it before. And yeah. now you, you – know, but only, only Bill Belichick can do it. Nobody else can do it because they don't have – the the weight behind him yeah I, I watched yesterday the only thing i thought was cam of yesterday's game was when he thought he had that rushing touchdown and he yeah. was a yard short and i thought belichick's gonna kill him if they if they have a delay a game because of that nonsense of him trying to get a picture taken on that thing i had a i had a i have a theory on him he's tom brady and gronk together <laughs> gronk brady gronk brady uh, he's he's because he's doing the stuff that gronk was allowed to get away with and yeah. he's playing like a structured quarterback, but he can also run, and he can run over people. It's, I, I, it's amazing. His predictability got to him last night because that last play, he wasn't patient like he was on the other three times he'd, he'd run the ball in the red zone. Yeah, so but it was all him. The whole game him. was – he was the whole offense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, he was the whole 
to put that much weight. I, I gained more respect for him in that game of how good he is by going, hey, they have nothing if he's not playing. By taking this small contract this year and playing it out, he's going to make himself so much more money in the back end because we're going to be like, he's spent, he really is good. They're keeping him. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would think so. I, I don't see why. No way. That That's what Lombardi he's, he's said. Our, did, did he say that today? or? No, he said oh, it last before. week, actually. Yeah, he said after the first week, he said, that's yeah. what we're going to do. Um, I'm curious, what did you think was the biggest upset of the week? Uh, the Chargers game, even though they lost, was to me the biggest like eye-opener. That The Chargers did that to the Chiefs last year. They, yeah. they played them to the end and beat them on that you know, ridiculous kind of comeback. So I think there's just a certain thing. But I, I guess it wasn't an upset because the end result was a win for the Chiefs. But I had to look at that as a little bit of a topsy-turvy for gamblers especially. Yeah. That Chargers team, with, with Herbert playing as well as he did, I looked at that as kind of a win for the Chargers. What do you think about Herbert to coming me, in? People were talking about how Herbert came in and how hard that is to not know you're going to play and then suddenly be playing. But that might even have helped him, and I, I, agree, I think, Frank. because he didn't have any time to worry about it. He's just like, oh, shit, I got to do this. Run the plays. What are you going to do? Nobody's going to blame you. Right. What were you going to say, Scott? Well, I thought the biggest uh, upset of the week was they did that uh, for charity, the uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High thing, and they had <laughs> Brad Pitt. They had Jennifer Aniston. They had McConaughey. Morgan Freeman narrating. And then the host is Dane Cook. That was the biggest upset that Dane Cook was the <laughs> host. That's huge. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "How? who is this? That kind of looks like Dane Cook, but, like, his skin's looking really different. So, yeah, that was uh, Yeah, I thought that was massive big. upset. That but was good for him. a big one. Yeah. And maybe Dan Quinn was the one who put that together because he doesn't put the right people out there. I was going to say that Falcons game, <laughs> no. the fact that they lost, that ca- they, they possibly made Dak Prescott millions of dollars next year. Because if he loses that game, he is in the dumps and everybody's going to be saying they need to replace him. Because even though he had all those yards and some rushing touchdowns, he was throwing the ball sideways, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it was not – he had a couple good but, passes here and there. I mean, he was, he was good. He, he wasn't Russell Wilson, but he was, he was really good. But if they lose that game, Mike McCarthy is on – you know, he's making Jason Garrett seem like uh, yeah. uh, Bill Belichick. I mean, it was unbelievable. Huge. They, and I watched that for all that stuff to go wrong in that game at the end and the, not to pick up that kick – they, they treated it like a punt instead yeah. of uh, an You've onside kick. People need to be fired for that today. Special teams coach, just as a message, that team last year started one and seven and started to come back. Dan Quinn is a defensive coach, and they've given up 953 yards this year. You can, can let me ask you this. Do you guys know this? Can you kick that ball out of bounds? You can just kick it out, right? You can just bat at it. You can just swat it out of bounds. All they needed Once to do – touch it, they can grab I think it. But before it 10 yards, before 10 yards, only the receiving team can right. touch right. it. Yeah. Right. So and before 10 yards, they needed to swat it out, not watch it, and hope they got to it first. How about just fall on it? That's the whole point of the hands team. I mean, the, whole, the, that, the, the most disturbing part of that entire onside kick was that group that goes out for that particular kick 
is the one that knows, get your hands on the ball and grab the ball. That's why you're on that particular on-site. I'm sorry, team. John, but they put out, they, they accidentally put out the eyes team. Oh, no. The yeah, watch they were just team. looking at it. The observational on-site kick squad. Yeah, well, that's what they did. And the special teams coach not drilling into their head, guys, you're the onside kick team. Your only job is to see the ball, rush the ball, grab the ball. And they, they were holding each other back like they were posting up in the uh, key. It was crazy to watch that tight end just go up and he put his arms out like, don't touch it, don't touch it. I'm like, what are you doing? On my couch, I'm screaming, what are you doing? Somebody needs to lose their job. Dan Quinn is not going to make it through four games because I think they've got Seattle next week. Am I wrong, Toledo? Is that who's? I don't remember who Atlanta's got. Dallas and Seattle, yeah. Oh, Dallas and Seattle. Well, Atlanta's got. uh, Oh, Atlanta's got the Bears. And Atlanta had Seattle in the first week. Yeah, and so you look at this, and this is Atlanta's zero and three start. Quinn's out, and and I know it's a new year and whatever, but that Super Bowl comeback that haunts him, and stuff like yesterday, he now has a gigantic weight on his shoulder. He's he's carrying that album. It's a reputation. It's hard to. It's going to be hard to beat that rep. Well okay, deserved. Guys, are, are you now on board, Holmberg, with football? I mean, because that was a great NFL Sunday. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, that was I, so good. That's the best sports that we've had since probably whatever, since NFL season last year. I mean, everything was great yesterday. There was so much excitement um, in those games. And uh, the Sunday night game was a classic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on board. I'm still skeptical that things, something could go wrong. So I'm keeping my, my, my. Uh, Is there, has there been no COVID? None. Nobody's tested positive. There's they're no lying. way. They're lying. 2,279 tests, I think, and zero, zero positive. And they're Let me t- put it this way, Frank. The, the MLB had so many guys on steroids and they were always getting busted. And the NFL never had anybody get yeah. busted for steroids. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, Mike Webster was basically, you know, <laughs> eating them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and uh, never got a positive test. And, and uh, so to me, it's like the NFL just, they realize what's important and what's not. Let me, let me, just, <laughs> yeah, I'll preface it with this too. You're right. Their drug tests can be changed because the NBA had an anti weed policy. Huh. Yeah. No one in the NBA smokes weed, really? They got yeah. caught constantly, and that's all. I, every NBA guy I've ever been around smells like a forest fire. It's a <laughs> And so, yeah, there's ways to get around it, but the NFL having zero cases with a bunch of 23-year-old millionaires free yeah. to do what they want is all lies, and I'm all fine with that. So long as they don't kill people's grandmas, okay, lie to me about COVID, I don't care. Because the games are great, and uh, and the business end is too big to throw away. But man, well, Frank will remember uh, when I started do- when he when I met him. I had a joke about how I wouldn't care about drug testing because we drug test athletes. Who cares? I wouldn't have cared at the time. The joke was if Michael Irvin was doing lines on the fifty yard line, as long as they cover the spread. And uh, I did that on CNN Talk Back Live once. I was in the audience, and they proceeded to. Uh, go away from me after that and ask me to leave. <laughs> it was a no, different time. I was supposed to talk back. That was the point. You were, you yes. were talking. You that was awful. <laughs> yeah, Scott, didn't you used to have a joke about Michael Irvin? Uh, God, Frank, you <laughs> uh, God. 
It's just that's my that's my I'm the Dan Quinn of this show. <laughs> Can't finish. No closing. Oh yeah. God, a Toledo and on I his like phonograph. You know who the Taco most Toledo. You know who the most underrated coach in football is? I think right now, uh, Gus Bradley. And I'm going to give him ten years of that because what he did up in Seattle was unreal. Then he goes to Jacksonville and builds the best defense. I think on paper that I've seen in years, but because his offense was so strapped to Blaine Gabbert or whoever else was, who was their quarterback? I can't even remember the. Oh, uh, that Central Florida guy. Yeah, every year. Gabbert. Yeah. Uh, no, was, uh, Brock Os- or no. Ah. Oh, no. Started with a B. Anyway, he, he's, he builds this accident, but defense, they were the best, and he gets fired because the owner down there doesn't know what he's doing and couldn't see the writing on the wall that this team was being built amazingly well and uh and then he goes off to san diego and puts whatever that was yesterday up against the world champs and that was unreal gus bradley's going to be the next head coach and i would probably guess it's going to be of the falcons because that dude's there's no way quinn survives this no way and see agreed are they gonna are they well are they gonna re you know fire one former defensive coordinator for yeah. the Seahawks to rehire another one? Yeah, because one is bad, and the other's proving himself everywhere he goes. Okay. Uh, I'll give you this uh, little tidbit. Uh, I did a comedy show in a parking lot of a business this week. That's, that's the new comedy. Yeah. Went well. The only difference between that and what every homeless person says is you said comedy show instead of hand job. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I didn't say that wasn't part of the deal. But, yeah, uh, and the company's Did name you screw Cole. it up at the end? Did you do a Dan Quinn impression? <laughs> I'm doing one right now. Screw it up and lose the audience? Uh, maybe a little bit. I've been known to do that at the end. I'm kind of the opposite of what good comics do. And here's another thing I'm going to do. I'm going to go see Brian Callen at Helium in a week. Really? Yeah. I'm, gonna, I still, he, I'm still scared about going... Uh, well, he got COVID in, in San Antonio Yeah, at the River and was, Center. And wasn't he just here, too, in Arizona right before that happened? Yep, the week before that. The week before. Let me tell you this, Frank. After doing the uh, Corolla thing live Friday, I will say you're probably right on with your fears. The audience that goes to this yeah. doesn't care. And there's a lot of moments that you just realize – Oh God, I just shook three hands. And that you, you forget that like I didn't, I was standing out there talking to people and I'm like, I promised myself I was going to get out of there. I'm like, I'm just I, not gonna, I, I wanted to go, but I knew, especially Adam's audience, who was like you yeah. said, tired of being told what to do. Mm-hmm. I, I said this to Toledo. I, I texted him. I go, John's going to do it. I said, I didn't want to say anything negative about John doing it. Um, because I, I didn't think it would help or hurt or anything. It would just be an annoyance to you. So it's like, I, I just, uh, that audience going to see that is the audience that is going to come up and give you a hug. They go, oh, you were great. And like, well, let me tell you, I, I, I'm too, they were I'm too famous. <laughs> You're too important. You've got to steal. And you something. never liked to hug then. You never liked to hug even before COVID. So that's yeah, not really even my bad. wife. Yeah. No. The, yeah. The, the, uh, the weird thing was they were super respectful. That audience is a group of like really respectful um, people but you forget, like even with Adam, he walked in and I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? And we both put our hands out and shook hands. I'm like, we're not supposed to do that anymore. So we bumped elbows after. 
I mean, you, you find yourself with those. I haven't been out in a crowd like that in months. And I went right back to the old ways. You feel rude. You feel weird. People offered me their food. They're like, oh, we brought this. We brought this from Kansas City and I'd love for you to taste it. And I'm like, I'm not. But you're. <laughs> and, and so I was kind of like, I can't do it. COVID, I'm not touching anything you brought from your car to my mouth. That's just not happening. And they laugh, but I'm like, I'm serious. Like, it's weird. And, and then people, when they're talking, take their mask off to talk and then put it back. We, <laughs> they're, it, what they are is NFL coaches. Yeah, we just didn't have the social <laughs> timing of all this. And it was weird. So, Frank, if you're, uh, if you're still worried about it, stay worried about it because nobody gives a shit. The people who are willing to go into the crowd, 250 people, don't care. Yeah, I just, that was my biggest. Well, I did a comedy like, club and that happened. Uh, yeah, I just thought that, if, that happened, if, people, right? if people are going to this, the one thing that's going to happen is, or the, I should say, if people are going to this, they're not worried. They're planning, they're, they're out because they're just going to let whatever happens happen. And I, some part of me is like, you're free to do that. I'm not going to stop you, but I can't get in that situation because I don't want to have to sit away from people for a couple of weeks because my kids are worried about it or my wife. Because I knew Michelle, she didn't say anything about not going, but I could tell that she didn't really want me to go. And, and I thought, ah, it's just, it's too much. And then I will be worried about it for a couple of weeks. Okay, um, let me, can I be the devil's advocate here on, you guys can say it's not worth it, but for a lot of people, it's got to be worth it. That's their job at the grocery yeah. store, wherever you're at. So, and for me, it was worth it because a comedy club said, Hey, can you come in? And I'm like, okay, you got to pay me this. And they're like, okay. So then the following week I do this in the parking lot, but it was really cool what this company did. They bought chairs, lawn chairs for each employee, had them pick them up, put them in their parking lot, set it up, had sound. Everybody was six feet apart. They could wear a mask if they wanted. If they didn't, they didn't have to. But ultimately, it was as safe as anything I could possibly have done. Outside, I don't feel. I, I mean, listen, yeah. you, you might have to take, if you need the money and you have to go out there and do the comedy club thing, I get it. My thing is I didn't. And thus, right. I knew what the audience was that was going to be out there. Not, not that they're bad people. They're just choosing to do something I would not choose to do. I would not go yeah. to something right now. I, yeah. Whether it's... Uh, uh, you know, right or wrong, or uh, I'm, I'm a little scared and tentative yeah. to go do it. And I, and part of it is just cause I don't want to deal with family stuff after yeah. the fact. And uh, you know, John, you just have uh, Megan. So, so it's, it's different for you. And uh, yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with you doing it. I think it's good for you, yeah. you know, whatever you want to do. And I think that shaming anybody who feels that way is also stupid. I do. My fear comes from the idea that I, I know how to dodge myself. I'll take the personal responsibility but what I didn't like was running into the one guy who's like, it's all fake, man. And yeah. it was almost like he's going out of his way to do as much as he can. He licks you. And yeah. And I mean, it felt good. And then he did a stand-up <laughs> parking lot. It was fantastic. But no, <laughs> no the, um, it was weird because the one guy that said that, my mind started to race to the, oh, man, I've got a lot of people I'm responsible for that I can't drag this back to. And this guy is going out of his way to do as much as he can publicly. And... uh that, that's where the respect factor goes away for other people's thoughts. I totally agree, Frank. I think if you, you're like, look, I'm picking my battles here. I don't want to bring this back. I don't want to be in that situation. Totally. I agree. I get that. But boy, when you do go and you see that people, most people were pretty good. 
you only worry about the one guy. And it's that's only, one guy. I, listen, I, didn't, I wasn't worried about the group. I was worried about a couple of lone wolves, uh, you know, a lone wolf here and a lone wolf there. And that was really, that was my main thing was I just, I don't trust people, especially people who are, you know, a, a podcast audience for the most part, especially Corolla, Rogan, you're going to have more conspiracy theorists. And, you know, anything, especially I think the I think the podcast and I like that about the podcast world because they ask questions that nobody's willing to ask, even if they're a little bit far fetched at times, at least they're willing to ask the questions and you go, oh, that's something I hadn't thought about before. And they're doing that a little bit like with the documentaries, with the social dilemma. But uh, that audience, I just to me was like, ah, I don't um, I have trouble. I have trust issues in the first place and a situation like that. It's just inviting uh, the wrong people and the wrong is in quotes for what I want to to be around at this point because I'm I just don't want to be thinking about this the entire time hey Frank here's the cool thing about the outdoors because you've done out a few outdoor shows and they always were terrible right they weren't yeah. very good okay they're I've done now four they're really good now because people are kind of it's a mixture of I feel safe this is a cool experience and they are respectful because they're like, hey, I'm actually getting live entertainment. Right. It's a different, it's a different, it's like yeah. when you go to Iowa and do a show, I go to Iowa and do a show. They're so thankful that you came to Iowa. You go to New York yeah. City and do a show. They're like, uh, you know, I could, I could have been watching uh, John Mulaney here. I, you know, why, why am I watching you? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. You made a mistake. Maybe the tickets were cheaper. I'm sorry. I feel bad for the clubs though, because as you're trying, like they try oh. so hard. To make they try so hard to make money and everything else and then their margins are already really bad and then they're trying to do everything right in the club as i was looking from the stage out i'm like man they've done a nice job of still making this feel mm -hmm. like a stand-up club without being crowded and it was crowded but it wasn't packed and then they, they distance they seat people properly and then when adam says uh all right thanks for coming everybody we'll see you next time Everybody just goes into, a, yeah. into the little lobby and it's like now they're out of control. So they'll get the blame when COVID pops up and they can trace it back to the night at the Tempe Improv that we were there. But they did everything right and then people didn't follow like any protocol at all trying to get out. And that's where you're like, this isn't the club's fault. They only have one door. There's nothing they can do. And if everybody wants to pile up and not be respectful of that, and they did. Then you start to go, oh boy, and then the club gets the shit for it, which is garbage. Yeah, there's nothing. That's that, that's all those little things that you don't even think about. That's the stuff where the most diff. That's where things can get transmitted, and nobody can control it. You just can't. Right. There's nothing you can do, and you're just. Can those clubs? Can, can those clubs set up outside? You know, starting when it gets cooler in like October through March or April, because the opportunities in the Midwest. And, uh, and in the Northeast, they've been doing some outdoor shows. This is the chance for Arizona when everybody else can't get entertainment. Could they? I don't do think you shows? could do it. One of them's downtown. There's no real uh, place to, to do it downtown. They could, but it would be weird. And yeah, I think it's the, the yeah. improv would be strange. Josh, it's, and, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I think the San Diego Club tried to go outside and California shut them down, even though yeah. it was outside. And they had spaced out the tables. So it's just like I'm watching and I'm seeing basically club after club close or, you know, I don't know even how they're even open, a lot of them. And I see comedians that are not working at all. And I'm just trying to figure out a way where 
comedians that have to work can make it happen. So it was live entertainment screwed for a while. It's going to be weird. Um, That's just, that's just what it is Uh, until Joe Biden's president. He fixes it (laughs) immediately. Can I swing back to the NFL real quick? I did. Yeah. And then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. I wanted to take, get your guys' take on this. Hey, before you do that, can we, can we swing it back to the NFL a little bit? Oh, yeah, you know, Frank, you're <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, look, Callian like a broken record here. He's like, uh, he's like Toledo on his photograph doing taco. Uh, great transition. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, you're talk. welcome. The, um, the one thing, I watched Julio Jones right before we started this thing talking about you know, uh, nobody's ever been with us. It's always been us against the world. And then I watched uh, one of the Chicago Bears players say, hey, man, nobody believed in us. It's always us. Is there ever been a guy who's gotten to the podium and said, man, without the support of the world, everybody's always been on our side. Everyone can't believe that the entire media and world's against them. But I fall into that, too, when I watch Steeler games because I watched the game with the Broncos and Steelers yesterday. I'm like, fuck you, Rich Gannon. You're such a Bronco fan. Everybody who broadcasts a Steeler game to me, is rooting for the other team. Well, did you yeah. ever see Joe Buck's what well, you don't look yeah. at Twitter? Joe Buck's Twitter um, bio says, Yeah, and I hate your team. Yeah, it's yeah. constant. But now I think the players are in on it thinking everybody's again like Julio because Jones. Because it goes back to what John, it goes back to what I said earlier. The controversy I think I said it. Is what it's what it's what you said and I repeated <laughs> word for word is it's the controversy that sells in the writing. So everybody's always nitpicking and breaking apart even the best teams and players because that's what gets the clicks. Saying somebody's great doesn't get the... Look, LeBron went out and said that he deserved more MVP votes. Just let... Yeah. Listen, you know how many people have deserved MVP votes that haven't gotten them before? It's politics. Welcome to the world of how politics are played. And when you don't get to choose... That's what happens. That's what happens to everybody else in yeah. every job in the world when they get passed over for a promotion because somebody else less deserving than them got it. And you, you, welcome to being a, a mortal. Yeah. It, it, I, just, it, I just remember Patriot fans used to always scream that the, the, the league was stacked against them. It is. And, well, <laughs> they, they helped that a little bit. But, I mean, it was just crazy how – and then I'm watching all these guys today talk about that. And I'm like, I've never once seen anybody take the podium and say, man, if it wasn't for all the support we get, that would have been a tough win. Thank God the media's on our side and the refs really help us out. And nobody ever said – I've always wanted after a NASCAR race like Joey Logano, and he's like, I drove my ass off. But I want to bl- I want to blame STP shit yeah. sponsor of mine and the oil that they did, which is awful. I really wish I had Quaker State, but they pay me a lot of fucking money, so that that would have been my one. Um, and I also wanted to ask Frank because I've been wondering about this. Do you do a Biden? Either one of you guys started doing it, but it's very limited. It's just that. Uh, oh man, come on, man. What are we talking about here, man? That's oh. a, Come, come on, man, with the thing and the – what are we He's talking a about? Fighter. Come on, man. That's it. We're both just loud Grudens or yeah. high-pitched Grudens. And my, my, the, I've been doing it on the TikToks, and people are like, that's unbelievable. And it yeah. is pretty good for a few lines, but not for a few words, but it's kind of, it's kind no of a magic trick. But I, I, I can find it from there. I just haven't been able to, to, to get it yet. Yeah. John's, got, John's got it 100%. <laughs> I'm great at it. You'll get it later. I'll get it right after he does. <laughs> 
Well, it's got to be, there's got to be that kind of Delaware, Philadelphia kind of a couple of the words that he probably says. Uh, he's got, he sounds like he's got a constant cold and he's, yeah. re, he's older, you know, he's 76, 78, something like that. Yeah. There's it, every time you try and do it, it's a generic old guy is what John and I yeah. kept going back and forth. It sounds like generic old guy and it doesn't sound like specific yeah. old guy. And that's Here's the tough the thing. thing. I wonder if you're feeling the same way, Frank, because like a lot of times you get an impression off of somebody's like, you know, uh, George Bush was always kind of the, uh, once the eyebrows fell, you kind of had the, yeah. Thing. Biden's face is so frozen from Botox and surgery. He doesn't have any, he just does like lip movements. And, and it always looks like he's, like his eyes are inside a mask. And yeah, so it looks like it's Kenny Rogers' eyes. He's got yeah. Kenny Rogers' eyes. They've been sewn oh, together. Kenny Rogers' eyes. But you can't, you can't get, when you get into the character, you know, doing the Pacino, yeah. when you do the Gruden, you make the face. The face helps to sell who you, when you can become ah, the person. Right. And he's just standing there blandly and, yeah. uh, you know, getting angry at nothing sometimes. But he has no emotion on his face. Even right. his smile is just this big, giant, open mouth, and his, his eyes don't change. So it's, he looks like a face transplant person. Like there's, there's something laying over the real face. And it's, it, that, to me, has been the struggle. I'm like, I don't see where this – a lot of times you can get where it comes from by watching them talk, because you'll see like a thing when it comes from like, or you know, it comes deep, like you'll, you'll see it. Well, and and I talk about the pizza slice across the eye, line across the eyes, point at the chin. And that's what makes anything in that triangle, that downward triangle, even with my fat cheeks, you can yeah. tell who the person is. Cause if it's a George Bush, Donald Trump, you can see it. And it starts to, and people on some of the social media who did kids who didn't know who I was, do you have to make the face? I'm like, it makes it better. It truly yeah. does it because you, once you see how the mouth forms, you can see how they form the words. And like John said there, you might figure out how they're talking and what part of their throat they're talking from. And if you know how to do that with from muscle memory and training, you can teach yourself to you know, close off of something in your throat or bring it here, or bring a rumble or, or cut off the rumble and bring it here. You can find those things. Nasal's the hardest, though, because you have to do the thing with your nose. Lives right there. You have yep. to push. You have to like close it off. So, all right. Um, next week is uh, a big thing for me because it's Raiders versus Patriots. So there's probably going to be some type of social media thing I'll do with that. Some Bella chicken. I'll tell you what, man. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm thrilled. It's going to be great. <laughs> My dinner with Bella chick. <laughs> All right, we're going to be moving the show to Thursdays, uh, so we have uh, more time to tape during the week. Uh, just remember that. So from now on until we change it again, the is this new for releases me? will be Thursdays. What was that, Scott? Is this for me? Because I, I never hear any of these things. I just heard this now. That's great. No, we just said at the beginning, and we just decided today because oh, okay. Sundays, it's, tough, it's difficult to talk about NFL because we all want to watch the NFL games on yes. Sunday, so we're not recording on Sundays. And this way we can get Mondays in as well. Um, so yes, John, it was a wee decision. Was it a wee decision? Yeah, me I'm... and Frank. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I just... Taco Toledo. Well, yeah. it's just because today, you, John, you had stuff going on. And I, I've been thinking about this a while. I'm like, we only have Monday to record for Tuesday because we want to talk some NFL stuff because anything before that's old. So I was like, uh, we just need more time. So then if you can't make it Monday... Uh, or Tuesday or Wednesday, then we have to do a Zoom. But if you can, now we have three days to choose from, at least to, to have a chance to, to record. So Thursdays will now be the release day. Perfect. 
uh, after this week. This week is the normal Tuesday, and from now on, Thursday. So from now, uh, that's it. So keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. (laughs) The end. You have to steal everybody's goodbye from here on out. I used to do that on the Comic Playground podcast. Keep your toes on your ankles and keep your feet backwards, you fuck nut face face. <laughs> That's how well I put together that one. Did that. Yeah, like, I, I, wait. what's funny is you just texted me that. It's a little cut before we get there because I got nothing. <laughs>